Hey, hey, all you gardeners out there, what's going on? This is Mr. Wee Man and Big Earl with the Wee Man 420 Chronicles Grow Hour. How are all you gardeners doing out there? Big Earl, my man, how the hell are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm ready to get blazed up with you right now, that's for sure, because I got some great weed because we met on Sunday. You were driving through Illinois, heading back up to Michigan. We met up, and you hooked me up with some fine, fine herb and that monster of a joint with that yeah. with that scissor hash you put in there was phenomenal that acai you called it tell me a little bit about that acai and what what scissor hash is for all of all the people out there in the world that don't know uh so the acai is the bx2 i think it was uh from kraken genetics super berry gas and the uh it was a new strain i was hunting i threw a few of them that one was like real black and super fun strain to, to run um and then the scissor hash when you're trimming up flowers you get all the almost like a like a bubble hash if you had a bubble hash uh or the same hash you brought up on on gloves when we were talking before some people get it on their gloves scissor hash same thing just from going over flowers for a little while and you can scrape it off and smoke it like a, like a hash so yeah I, it was uh, it I was great mine and usually get a few grams of it i love it yeah, it was great, man. It was got me and Mrs. Weedman baked. And I it was and she was like, This is a smell and a taste to this. I'm like, Yeah, it smells like it, it tastes like gas, tastes like diesel. She's like, That's it. I'm like, that's when you that you finally got a strain when you hear growers and, and, and breeders talk about gassy uh uh or diesel. You finally know what know what Big Earl and, 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 and DVG and some of the guys we've interviewed uh talked about and there you go she finally understood what you guys all meant because she never understood what it meant so it was so great for her to get a strain like that and it was fantastic it took us two days to smoke that fatty roll <laughs> but we enjoyed the hell out of it so thank you so let's get smoking real quick why don't you tell you you gave me a couple of nugs too of some other strains what strain am i smoking right now out of this eight decades bowl tell them what you're telling i don't know what i'm smoking I'm excited. Uh, it was the flower is the, the, the larger fluffier flower out of that bag. I'm assuming was the stanky haze. Um, it's a stankosaurus from thug pug, uh, mixed to the chilled wine haze. That one particular was kind of funky. Like that GMO really came out of the stanky. Um, and then the, the haze gives it that sweet end part. So I really, really like that one. That's my next. I literally put a male in my breeding tent today, the Stanky Haze male. So um, I, I like that one enough to, to do. I think I have seven ladies in there with it. So he's going to have a good time. It's going to make me do the Stanky Leg, that Stanky Haze. It's yeah. delicious. <laughs> leg. What are you smoking on, my friend? Um, I am smoking on the Tropicana Cookies crossed to Sprinkles. I did a uh, test run with the my keeping her fresh in my jar uh Hell yeah. decades jar i did a test run for secret society and uh, secret society seed co and his new the second part of his new line called sprinkles the z on the end of it came out um or is coming out here i think in a month or two i just got him all the information and all the pictures and stuff not long ago but um his i love because i did his titty sprinkles uh hunt i hunted his whole titty sprinkles line for him and uh or tested it however you want to call it 
And it's, I love tasting that in because I smoked so many different Fino testing those for him. I can taste <laughs> it in all of his sprinkles stuff too. Um, so I love it. But it's, it's this is this one's one of my favorites so far, the Tropicana Cookies times sprinkles. So it'll be around. Yeah, you gave me. Yeah, you gave me some nugs of that too. I'm super stoked to smoke that. That will be tomorrow during the show we record with Mrs. Weedman tomorrow. We'll be smoking that one tomorrow. I'm excited. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about that tomorrow on the show, but looking forward to it. Oh, you're smoking out of an eight decades bowl too, brother. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Little high it. five, little bowl five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it, it hits so hard. It's like a steamroller, but a bowl at the same time. I like it. Yeah. That's why I, this was, I got this. So I found this steamroller. This is the exact same one I've had now. Uh, well, the, the, the style, uh, about four, five years ago. And Mrs. Weedman loves 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 smoking out of the steamroller so we found the company that made this and we co-branded it with them so now we sell it as an eight decades as an eight decades line uh, uh steamroller she loves it this and the reason why she loves it because you can you can monitor your the way you can see the smoke going through the glass you can control it and it's just a smooth smoke and sometimes sure. I'll put it in, I'll put it in the fridge and let it get a little cool too, because it does hit sometimes too, or the freezer and let it get a little cool and blow through. So, I mean, cause you can get a big, big monster rip and the bowl stays nice and lit too. And this, what I love about this thing, it's easy to clean. So uh, easy yeah. to clean. I probably clean this thing like once a month and change the screen. It, it is so nice and easy to clean. So, but uh, you ready to start the show, my friend? Oh yeah, absolutely. We have a good one today. Yeah. We, we're talking about mediums. And watering and and big Earl here is going to talk to you about what a growing medium is and, and what we like to use and what he's been using and trial and error and what what he likes but we're going to run through the the different types and then and then the watering which is to me one of the most important aspects because you can fucking overwater you can underwater you can say what the hell's happening here watering is so strategic with your plants and how you do it and when you do it in timely manner I tell you what Watering is one of the hardest things to master for me in the beginning when I first started growing. It was very, very hard to master waterings. I never knew if I was giving it too much, too less. It just, it just was a was an oddity. And then, and and in reading and learning, I've gotten better. You know, and what type of medium you're using too when you're watering can also screw you up. So today, I hope this helps for all you home growers out there, all you caregivers out in the world, and all you growers out in the world. So, Big Earl, what is a medium? So yeah, it's um, this was a big one when I was in the shop. It's like you said, it's so specific. There's a, a lot of different options. We're gonna go over the four main ones today that. Like if you went into a grow shop that you would probably see even in like a Home Depot or something, you'll probably see at least a variation of what we're talking about. But a medium or a growing media, people will call it too. Um, I've seen people argue about what it's called. It's both things. You can see it, find it both written both ways is whatever you're using for your roots to grow through. Um, so it can come stagnant. It can come inoculated with bacterias and funguses. It can come with foods, without foods, it can come in tons of different ways. So one of the way, one of the things that can really help gardeners is to find the way that's going to let them garden how they can the best. Everybody's a little different. So some people might not want to water every day. Some people might want uh, the, the leniency or the, the ease of being able to water whenever they want. 
Um, and so we'll go over some of that here and we'll make sure people can, you know, get started or even if they're thinking about a change or something, they can know some of the details of, of what they're looking at. Um, yeah, I, 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 I notice, I notice about mediums, the difference of like really, really like hardy mediums you can do or loose mediums and stuff like that when you're when you're putting them all together and you're mixing them together and stuff like that and what i've done it's not always easy it's not always oh it, it could be easy or it could be complicated but the way you work it is 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 going to be the best for you and your growing style but you mentioned fungus now someone might be confused like there's fungus in my in my medium explain that fungus and bacteria it's good right when we talk about that Sure. Yeah. There's beneficial and there's bad. So a lot of people will definitely, you're right. I don't, I, I go talking about that. Like everybody knows exactly what it is. Um, there's good fungus. So when you hear mycorrhizae, that's in a lot of different, different mediums. Uh, it helps root production, root growth. Um, it specifically is a fungus that eats and breaks things down around the root itself. And a lot of times you'll see that actual fungus growing on the root and make your roots look fluffy. So if you clone, and you see, that's when people will see it the most, because once you put it into the meat, to the medium and to whatever it is, you usually don't see your roots much after that. Um, you can see if you have the fluffy clone, sometimes it's newer, especially it's, whoa, what's that? But really, that's that's good. Um, some funguses are definitely not good. But we, a lot of those soils and the different stuff we'll talk about today will have fungal inoculations in it. And we just don't look at it much. It'll be like, plus mycorrhizae, like any of the peat moss, which we'll get into in a little bit. If you get a ProMix bale, which is the general cheapest way to get a larger amount of peat moss, seven cubic foot, 3.9 compressed, I believe, um, which is a, quite a bit of medium. You know, I think they're 35 bucks now in most places. That's a lot of medium for 35 bucks. All of them, as far as I know, yeah, Almost all of them are inoculated with mycorrhizae. It just says plus mycorrhizae on it. Um, and maybe, you know, people say, oh, it's got mycorrhizae. That's just going to help organic foods break down. It's going to help the, uh, more importantly, the roots, you know, get started and uh, get going like that. Um, so the peat moss, like we just talked about with the mycorrhizae, uh, that is a mined resource. Um, it's non-renewable. It is depleting. It's it's I don't know numbers a hundred percent on it, but um, it's something. One of the reasons that I, one of the many reasons I went to cocoa from peat moss. Um, my first few runs I did with peat moss, uh, they were good, but the the watering is very. You won't. It won't. They don't die. But for me to figure out and get everything, it was just it was harder for me in the peat moss. Um, and when I went to cocoa, that seemed to help a lot. Um, but most indoor potting mixes, most things like that will be peat moss based. Uh, the water only soils, they'll have a lot of other stuff in it, uh, including cocos and perlites and a bunch of different foods, but the base of it's usually generally peat moss. That is because it holds water really well. It, the, the roots love it. It's a great condition for roots to actually grow in. And you don't have to worry about like, you can get like topsoil and different stuff from outside. But with that, it's clean, it's washed. You don't have to worry about all that nasty stuff coming in your medium already. Um, although some people will definitely tell you, oh, I got bugs from this and that. 
Um, I don't typically believe that unless it's coming from something like two birds of cocoa and right on the bag, it says forest dredgings. And so it's like, I'm sure it's washed and stuff, but just like, that was always weird to me. But anyway, yeah, (laughs) you know, like forest dredgings, I don't want forest, like I get where they're going with it a little bit, but it's uh, just not my cup of tea, you know, maybe. Um, The Pimas you almost always see with the perlite, which will be the little white specks in there. Uh, just because it does hold water so well. Some I have of a question. Will... Yeah, sure. What is perlite? You know, that is, I, I am not 100% sure on that. People use it a little bit differently in different, like, I know that there is, there used to be this, like, like how Grodan Rockwell is, that used to be like little, really, like, uh, like Nat Nicks and, man, what they call uh, the other products. This company shut down. But they had perlite-like substance that I believe was also glass string, just a little bit more condensed. But that's oh, a good question. Okay. If anybody knows what perlite actually is, like, is that something out of the ground that we just break up? I honestly am not sure about that. I know that it goes in our medium, it aerates it really well. Uh, it doesn't break down actually, like right there. So, like at the end of the run, you'll still have it right there, aerating your medium. Um, but that's a great question. Um, it's almost always in with the peat moss though, because the peat moss holds water so well. And when you, I can talk about Promix because I'm so much more comfortable with it. Promix is a brand of peat moss uh, based out of Canada, I believe, uh, where their uh, bog is or whatever you'd call it. Love Google. Perlite, yeah. you are 100% right. Volcanic glass that has relatively high water content, typically formed by the hydration of obsidian, occurs naturally and has the unusual property of greatly expanding when heated sufficiently is industrial mineral suitable as a ceramic flux to lower temperature and commercial products useful for its low density after processing. That's cool. Oh. I had no idea. Yeah, very cool. Just knew it was in yeah. everything. <laughs> everything everything yeah. I use has perlite in it. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. Perfect sense. Um, with that peat moss, when we're just, just, just a couple of little tips on it. When you do water with peat moss, it's one of the only mediums that is going to need a, a flush as part of its like routine usually. Um, if you're watering salts, if you're going organic, that might not be the case. But if you're watering salts with it, almost every three or four feedings, you want to flush things through. It holds onto it really well. Um, and it's just with how pots work to me, peat moss is just a little harder to get. Like it's, you have a, it holds onto water so well. There's so many different ways that it comes with the perlite, without the perlite, with a little bit of vermiculite that I feel like I was not hitting my full potential when I, now this was just when I was running peat moss. When I, I add a water only to my cocoa. Um, I just do it in a way to where it still acts like a cocoa, you know? But um, watering with peat moss and later we'll talk about cocoa, you really want to get that 10 to 15% runoff. You want to do that flush. You have to make sure you're not building up in the peat moss. Um, I'd say that's one of the biggest things to really look for. Um, so another medium, we got the, the peat moss, the sphagnum moss, people will call it too. Sphagnum peat moss, people call it. Uh, also rock wool. So this is the yellow squares you'll see a lot of the big facilities growing in. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Oh, yeah, I have. Yep. So those are nice, super light. You can get a box with like 60 pots in it. You can carry two of them on each shoulder, you know, and, and they're very, very light, very easy to move around. When you're done, they don't weigh anything. 
Um, that's definitely, it's made of a glass string. So, and that's what Grodan, I'm assuming all of them do. Uh, I've only ever talked to the Grodan rep and it was a very long time ago. Um, they also make it in a loose fill so you can put it into a pot. Um, they typically make it in those little squares. So what somebody will do is like start in a little rock wool starter, which I like to use anyway, even though I'm in cocoa. And then they move that into like a six inch by six inch square. And then they move that on top of an eight inch by eight inch square. Or sometimes they move it into what they call slabs, rock wool slabs, where the slab will be like six inches or eight inches wide, but it'll run two or three feet long. And you can put one at the top of it so the roots can like go down and drain with the water down down the whole slab. Uh, sometimes people will put like two or three on a longer one so they can kind of like all coexist in it and it'd be a little cheaper. Um, there's a lot of different variations with how you can use rock wool. Um, yeah, every every large commercial grow I've stepped foot in uses rock wool. I mean, I think we're going to see a lot of that taken over by the compressed. They're they're now making these compressed cocoa uh, bags already in the pots, so that the pot comes like compressed ooh. around the cocoa square, and ooh. you put it on your table and you just put water, flood the table with water overnight, and the next day every your pot's already full of cocoa. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. That's pretty um, cool. We'll have to talk yeah. about that when that comes along. But yeah, every large grow I've been to, they ha it's all in the rock wool, all in the little like boom, 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 boom. And they get monster plants, but there's like four watering lines in there. I know you were going to talk about that, but because it's got to be, like you said, it's got to be watered multiple times a day, right? Is what you're saying? Oh, a ton. I, I yeah. water my cocoa. And it's on timers and shit all day long, right? Where they're just processing it like what? Like probably every four hours it's watering it, right? Depending on their setup, yeah, for sure it could be every four hours. Like it's it's so Rockwell, my two biggest quarrels with Rockwell. One is you if it not only does it have to be because like cocoa they like multiple waterings a day or at least like one or two like stay wet. Um, depending on how big your pots are. Like I run one gallon pots and sometimes I'll get, you know, a half a pound of plant. So running that off of a, a one gallon pot, I have to water that three or four times a day. Or they get stressed, they get so dry because the whole pot's just roots, basically. Right. But um, I have it's so Rockwell is if you have a, a line clog, you're only running one line. Very within a day, it'll die. You know, if if it's in a huge oversized, you know, if it's if it's a little clone in a big pot of filled Rockwell, like from a bag, that's not you know maybe it'll survive. But I have had gardens where, you know, we're doing our work, we're cleaning, whatever. Somebody doesn't plug in a pump or set a timer to auto and you come in the very next day and the whole tray is dead because it just doesn't. It's, it's very um, unforgiving would be, you know, a good word for it. I also am a big fan of organic. Uh, for flavor, I, I, I don't feel like there's any other way to get a fantastic, like you can get good, you can get flavors out of different products, but there's nothing that can replace that organic flavor to me. Everything else that's not organic enhances a product the same way, no matter what you're looking at in my experience. So like if you're adding some kind of uh, the, the product name has changed, but it used to be called terpenes and now it's called something else. I can't remember, but they had like a berry, a pine, it was essential oils that were just kind of like twisted towards certain terps. If you added the berry, everything would have that berry influence. If you added the regular citrusy one, 
everything would have that citrusy influence. And it, it, I was finding that in a lot of stuff. And the only thing that I was able to find to let plants, like how you notice uh, the psychosis cheese is really like funky and nasty and the other one's real fruity. The only way to really get them way different and not to like resemble each other, even though they're grown in the exact same reservoir of food in the exact same ways, was for me to figure out how to get organics going. And yeah. in rock wool, I don't see how you would be able to really um, do that very well. You know, I don't, I, I, I rely on a lot of my organic stuff going on in my tea and already before I feed it, but in rock wool, it just doesn't have the stuff to hold it in, you know, and to like, keep gotcha. any of it there so that would be my two biggest complaints um but other than that if you got to bust out a hundred plants and you got to take it up three flights of stairs and you don't want to worry about you know your trash being very heavy then the rock wool would be the way to go there gotcha um now the the cocoa is what i think a lot of what we were just talking about a compressed cocoa that's what i think almost everybody going to move to um for a couple different reasons it's it's the best of peat moss in that it's very absorbent. Plants love it as a medium. It holds the water in there real nice. But how it lies is kind of like a bundle of sticks. So where the peat moss lies in, it'll suffocate the root. That's why you have to let it dry out pretty decently before you water. You know, the peat moss, two-knuckle two rule. Um, dry down two knuckles usually unless it's a real small pot, and then you can water again. Cocoa lies like sticks. So you can have that root run all through it even if it stays wet and it really prefers wet if you let cocoa dry out it uh they won't die right away like rock wool but it will get stressed for sure um and, and it's very hard to stress your plant out by overwatering well enough to really see a, a bad influence at least i have you can definitely overwater i've definitely noticed overwatering but i have left reservoirs on accidentally for like full weekends like just left a recirculating reservoir. I come home, my, my pump's torched because it's just been going and evaporating <laughs> and my plants are happier than hell. <laughs> and I, you know, they got a really good flush. They got, you know, every, they love it. So it's like, um, I definitely have seen some overwatering, which you can see is like little root nodes trying to form at the bottom. And that's really the only stress I see that often on overwatering on cocoa. Um, I couldn't even say it's a stress enough to hurt your, uh, end game you know your yields or, or flavor or anything but you know you always want to control your stresses um cocoa can come a lot like peat moss also it's in a bag usually you put it in a pot uh usually it comes with perlite although you can just get straight cocoa um it's hard to you know how cocoa lies and the perlite it's hard to say if the perlite really is helping in there but i do usually go after a 70 30 mix i personally like it um, but i do have 100 cocoa and i have seen it as much as 50 50 so in a pinch, I'll take 50-50, mix in some 100% cocoa, or just use one or the other. But um, little pinch. So usually it comes a lot like peat moss, uh, like peat moss would, where I've seen compressed bales. I've seen it with and without food, usually without food, because you water it so often. Um, and um, different percents of the, the perlite, usually not with vermiculite. Uh, it's kind of, but if it has a bunch of food and stuff and they're trying to do some different things, I could see somebody throwing that in there for some reason. Um, and then the most old school way that people probably know the fourth and final, you know, popular way, uh, the clay rocks. Have you ever seen that? Like in the baskets and the pipes and stuff? Yeah. I've um, seen that. I also see people use that in hydro too. 
where they have it go through the clay balls that goes down into the water mixture and stuff like that. I've seen that too. Yeah, I've seen people who do both. I don't understand it, so I don't even know if I'm there yet. <laughs> so there's usually in the cannabis industry, there's in a bucket, and each bucket, like you can think of it as a five gallon bucket, but square usually. There's a basket lid that goes on top of it. And in that basket, the basket lid is just a, like you can think of a normal pot with a lip on it that can hold on top of the bucket that has like a nine inch indention down into it or so, you know, they come in all different sizes, but about nine inches I'd say is average for, for a larger like depth. You would fill that with the water and then underneath that, or you fill that with the rocks and then underneath that you'd constantly have water moving. Each bucket would be attached by a pipe and you would constantly be have water pushing through the system. Usually it moves in a circle or a square and it'll all connect to itself. Um, those are definitely used like uh, people will do it just in pipes too for like lettuce and stuff. I haven't seen cannabis done too too much and mm-hmm. just like have you seen those like where the pipes are going like opposite and water's going up here, falling like this, and then it goes back up to the top and it's like a lettuce outdoor lettuce farm or something. I've seen it. Yeah, I don't I know much about it, but I've seen it. Like the, I think I was in Epcot one time when I was younger and I saw them using that. <laughs> sure, yeah. It's cool. And like, if you wanted to try like some kind of aquaponics or something, I could see trying to do something like that. But it, to me, that's an older way of doing stuff. It, you know, you have to get the rocks that are kind of heavy. You have to get quite a bit of equipment as in like a bucket for each plant a net pot for each plant um the rocks which you already talked about yeah a pipe has to go to each bucket you have to have like a reservoir bucket right there and it is the little fails that's how my very first grow was and one pump failed and my entire like little five gallon setup flooded my entire little closet and it was just like like no bueno yeah it was like a little gasket my my pump stopped pumping up so like it got warm or something and i don't even know what happened just all my water was all over the floor and i feel like there's it was used a lot i think back in the day because you can wash the rock the system can be set up you can wash it all right there you don't have a ton of trash and you can you 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 can be a little bit more discreet with it so um those would be the peat moss the cocoa the rock wool and then the clay rocks or just rocks in general some people i've seen use the four main ways that I personally see people growing cannabis. I've heard people say crazy shit. There's a dude coming in talking about this and that. He's like, well, why would you ever buy any of this stuff? I'm like, well, you want to grow weed? You got to buy stuff. Um, a lot of times answers are that simple, you know? And well, I, he uninstalled carpets for a living. He says, I just take old carpets and I wash them out real good and I grind them up. I throw that in my pots. He's showing us some pictures. Like it didn't look terrible, but it's like, man, I don't know if I want to be smoking, smoking old carpet. Out of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but it's just like people are creative and they have been more creative, you know, until recently. Um, but those are the four main ones, you know? So, right. I mean, I mean, this, this, this is indoor we're talking about specifically, and then you can probably use these in pots for outdoor too. People just, say can i just plant a seed in the ground and it'll grow yes it'll grow depending on how good your soil is you still got to water it you still got to add some nutrients to it but it will grow if you didn't do anything to it you got to water it or hopefully it rains a lot you know where it gets water and you get a good sunlight 
you you can grow weed in your soil. Now, depending how good it is, it's up to your soil and your light and everything you do to it. Love is got to love your plant and it'll love you back. So remember that. So yes, you can take a seed, throw it in some soil, and you'll get something. We've talked about I, I, TR Tech, first time growing. He's grown an autoflower. One plant, did a nice medium, got a tent, told him what to buy, helped him out, sent him some advice from you also. He's got a nice little plant, man. Auto, it's like 65 days right now. He's ready, man. He's got, he got another 10 more days. He's saying he's thinking and it's looking good. He'll probably get an ounce, ounce and a half of smokable weed. Yeah. First, first time. And he fucked up. And he fucked up really bad because he forgot to turn the light on for like four days when the plant was in germination. I'm like, dude, you didn't have any light on? What's where's your he, and the thing was stretched like a mile long, like trying to find some light. Yeah. Help but me. he got now he's got a, a long skinny stem. Like like I mean this this <laughs> stem is like this this big. I mean, it's like that. It's like nothing. Right. And it's like it's like four feet tall and he's got, it's not even swaying. It's got enough strength. Cause it's not, it doesn't got a lot of heavy butt on it. He didn't top it or fim it. So it's not got a bunch of branches. It's got, you know, just what a normal cannabis plant would grow. Cause he just wanted to see what he could do with just throwing a seed, throwing an autoflower in. He's going to get an ounce and a half of smokable weed. So yes, anybody can grow weed, but do you want to grow better weed? Do you want to get the big, amount do you want to get 10 ounces and you want to get you know you're growing two plants you want to get abundance yes you do and this is why we're why we're going over all this stuff and why what big earl has done over the years of growing and what i've done in my last few years of growing and learning and getting better at your 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 trade if you want to do this for a living one day or just as your hobby or just as your passion for cannabis that's why I do it. It is my Zen. I'm going on a week trip and I'm in stage. I'm in eight weeks of flower right now and I'm leaving for a week and I'm in panic mode right now because I got to rely on Mrs. Weedman and she'll do a great job, but she won't check them like I check them. I know she won't. So, Scary. oh, fucking hey, man, I'm in panic mode right now. We're going, I'm leaving for a week and then back for a weekend and leaving for another week, back for a weekend and leaving for another week panic fucking mode right now like there's not enough weed that can help help this fucking panic mode i'm in right now because i'm like this is i think it's gotta i think it's got about another two more weeks before i can before i can uh hang those to dry i'm in like panic stricken mode right now <laughs> <Bigger>. yeah. <laughs> no, dude i've been there and it's like oh it's harvest time well wait a minute Ooh. i'm not gonna be home at this time or you know it's it's scary i totally feel you man yeah, I gotta have all my water ready. I gotta have all my water ready for her. The nutrients. I gotta write directions down. Going, you gotta make sure that the fan is is working right. Uh, my, it's now cold out, so the heat is on in our house. So right now, the humidity's fucked up again in my tent. So I had to yeah. put the humidifier back in, get it back up to forty percent, right where I like it. It's been like I woke up this morning, the humidifier when I was at twenty nine percent. I didn't panic, but I was like, fuck, man. Yeah. So yeah, there's things to do, but I mean. Since we talked, I mean, these buds are, are frosty. Frosty McFrosterson, man. These things are looking. I don't want anything. And it's gassy smelling in that tent right now. I know I got some good fucking weed. Uh, T, the tech came by today because I gave him a couple of nugs from from what um, you got. You threw me. He had a try, I had told him he had to try some of this stuff. And uh, I shook him to the tent. And he's like, he put his face in there. He's like, holy shit. Is that, it smells like a fucking diesel truck. I'm like, I know. 
Yeah. Gassing, baby. Like guala guala gassing right now. <laughs> you know you, what I'm saying? You're growing in a living soil, right? You're yeah, soil yeah. So what do we prefer? I started off using Fox Farm Ocean Grown. That's what I started with because I, I read some articles and everyone said most beginners start with this. And I did. Very hot soil. Very hot. Didn't have to put nutrients in that soil for at least six weeks. That shit ran hot. And everybody said that too. So then I got into nutrients, stuff like that. But I went to, I, now you, I'm doing totally organic. I'm doing a, a, a 73rd, actually, let's just put it this way. I'm doing 30% co, uh, cocoa perlite. Okay. Then the rest of my medium is, is probably half Soham. I think that's how you pronounce it, which you told me to get. Yeah. And then the other one is the, uh, um, the uh, coast of Maine. Is the other cool so I do fifty yeah, fifty fifty of those two and then the thirty so it's seventy percent those two and then thirty percent cocoa perlite that I mixed yeah. all together. So and uh I, I I mean of course I went from you know a cup to uh three gallon to seven gallon and a seven gallon I could have went bigger. I probably could have put it in ten if I had room in that tent. So I had to add nutrients to it like you you suggested to do it, or else I would have ran out of nutrients in that soil and those plants wouldn't have made it. Adding that nutrients has helped tremendously because the buds now are getting fatter. I think it's healthier. Yes, the leaves are not as healthy as I want. The leaves, basically, not this, not the buds itself, but the leaves are getting sucked dry because I wasn't giving it enough nutrients because this was all new to me. This is my second grow uh, on organic soil. Now I know, but I do enjoy using those two brands that 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 uh, that you suggested, the Soham, and then I found out about the the Coast of Maine. I enjoy using those. I'm going to keep on using those two because I like the mixture, and then add that 30% cocoa perlite. But now I know what to do within like probably like the sixth or seventh week, maybe like the sixth week, the veg. I'll start doing a nutrient blend, and and I know you and I will talk about that. What what's going to be good for it at that moment, or maybe the five. We'll, we'll see how the plant's looking. But I didn't need to add nutrients at all until I went to that first, that second week of flower. That's when I really saw one of the plants going, uh oh, something's wrong. And you and I had talked, and I gave it a couple more weeks. I did, I, I did add one nutrient that they suggested. It's by Costa Man. It's the uh, the, um, but it was once every like two weeks. It said to give it to it. It was their uh, squid, their squid uh, nutrient. So looks like an old oil can uh, uh, bottle. So, but that's what I use for my nutrients. But I was only giving, I wasn't giving it enough because with that, like you and I have talked about, you have to go pot size up. You have to go keep on going pot size up, especially as that plant gets bigger, the roots get bigger. It's going to eat everything out of that soil quick. So I probably could have went to ten or maybe even uh, fifteen gallon pots if I would have had room in the, in that small tent. Definitely, 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 definitely. If you didn't want to add nutrients, if you didn't want to add any newt cycle to it, definitely it would have had gone up to probably two more pot sizes. And then that 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 would have been enough soil and that nutrients to make those plants for the full cycle of the 120 of the, of the full 90 days, 120 days that I'm gonna to have to do this run. So that I prefer this is what I'm gonna do for a while until I can have my own grow room like you have, and then be able to put a whole system in one day. That's a dream. But for right now, that's what I'm doing. I like that that soil mixture, and that's what I'm going to keep on doing. Nice. Nice, yeah. Organic soil, man. So it makes things so good. Everybody has their tricks and tips, and they do their things a little bit differently because of the size of their tent or pot or light or the plant type it is. But it's hard to beat that organic flavor. Um Oh, the smell right now, man. I cannot wait to, to dry and cure that weed because I think it's going to taste fine. Because I'm growing right now um, uh, watermelon punch and banana sherbet. So 
Which one's gassy, you think? Uh, the watermelon punch. No, the watermelon punch, man, is fucking just gassy. The 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 yeah. banana sherbet's got a sweeter smell that I didn't realize, but the the watermelon punch, man, has got a punch to the fucking knockout punch face. It is whoo pungent. So I'm excited. Nice. Excited, big white fucking long hair. Oh my god, man, it's sticking straight up. I mean, it's just like the trichomes are just. It's frosty now. I mean, there's there is not. I mean, I'm excited to smoke this. I'm excited to like really, really like enjoy this strain, uh, nice. and hopefully everything goes right the next couple of weeks. Mrs. Weed Man. <laughs> yeah. hey, if not, it's towards the end, and it's just hey, it can cut down a little early, maybe. I don't know, but it's. Um, what about you? With, I've done so. I've done tons of different ways. Pretty much all the four ways we just talked about. I've done all of them. Um, right now, just cause of what I like to do, which is hunt through seeds mostly. Um, I run a reservoir for each a few different reservoirs for each like area in my grow room. <clears throat> and that way I can like rotate in and out weeks. And like, I have my breeding tent, but I'll, I'll do my pollination in there and then give everything a little bit of time and spray it and move it into my garden. And I can have those different reservoirs, like one feeding a week seven food, one feeding a week two or three food or whatever it is. Um, I do use, so I use a home mix kind of like you, that's a 70-30 cocoa perlite, but I add a organic mixture, uh, which is a ton of different stuff that I uh, got out of a book actually, um, uh, mostly, and uh, added some different stuff like some extra potassium and things. Um, and I put like some, a little bit of insect frass in there. I put a, some, uh, charcoal in there. Uh, I put some mycorrhizae in there and I spray it with a sugar water, like a, like a molasses water, uh, to feed my microbes. Um, and then I let that sit usually for a little while. So when I open it back up, I like to see my funguses, like some white fuzzes. I like to see some collinations that way. Uh, that just means that it's getting to the food. It's starting to break down. Um, I try to give it at least a month in there. Uh, really, I want to give it as much time as ever, as I can, but usually it gets about a month. And then I like to use that in my transition stage. So like when I take my clones out, I like to use that. And when I take them from my solos to my gallons or two gallons or sometimes three gallons, if I know I'm going to mom something out, uh, I like to use that. I, I find it's way easier on my stress. So I use that with not very much uh, food, like uh, salt and nutrients, regular uh, nutrients, what most people would call that. But then as that plant progresses, I start to bump up the salts to like encourage the, the, the extra growth. Um, but but uh, when I get into flour, then like we were talking the organic flavor, I do an organic tea, which is uh, instead of uh, breaking down my foods in my pot, since it's kind of a harsh environment for bacteria and, and funguses to live by that point, because it's so high in salts, I do it in the water. I try to break down the water. Um, by simply just adding those bacteria and those funguses, adding some sugars, letting them duke it out in there and do what they need to do in there for about 24 hours. Uh, and then I add that. So um, it has, when I started to use the best of both worlds, it elevated my, my game. I feel like it, because uh, there's, they both have their con, their, their upside and their downside organics really hard like you found really hard to really dial it in and if you're not running the exact same strain under the exact same light in the exact same condition time and time again you might run into a lot of that stuff pretty frequently um 
to where when I can kind of use it to get its flavor and then use the salts to really fill in all the rest, I've found my, 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 uh, all around everything just, just went, got way better with my cannabis. Nice. I love it. Nice. Just love it. What do we, uh, what do we, we're going to talk about staying away from some brands too, just because, you know, there's some shit out there. What are, what yeah. are some of the brands before we get into watering the different mediums? What are some of the brands? So for me, I, I, there's, everybody's got quarrels with this and that. I, my, I stay away from Hawthorne. That's, I don't like them. Um, everybody can say what they want to say about this and that. I was in the industry before them. And I was into the industry after them and the dudes are, you know, savages and they're not, they're not here for us. You know, they're, they're there to make a dollar. Uh, it doesn't really, I never saw any, anything, you know, what I would consider good from their company. Um, never seen any of that. So, and we're talking medium wise. So first off, you can always go to HawthorneGardeningInc.com. They show the companies that you want to stay away from. Um, there are companies that will might be with like Hydro Farm or a different distributor because that's Hawthorne's a distributor, but they also own tons of different companies. Um, they came in and bought a, a, a quite a few years ago uh, cannabis companies, so like Can Filter, and we went over it in a previous episode. But as far as some of their companies that own the, the mediums and the soils and different stuff, um, so they have Botanicare. Botanicare used to be a badass company. Uh, it's now a Hawthorne only. Um, anything from them, they have potting mixes, cocos, the nutrients, they have different pots, um, anything from them, it, it comes from Hawthorne. It won't come from a different dispute, distributor. Uh, same with Mother Earth, owned by them. They have a few different mediums. Um, all the, there's no hydrofarm distributor with them. It comes from them. Um, and then it, you can go to, like we just said, their page, they have like an exclusive uh, oh, our, our brands, go to our brands. Um, that's where I would just go there. And when you go to your shop, ask them, did you order this from Hawthorne? Because there's a ton of different stuff that could have, if your shop doesn't want to, because Hawthorne's bigger and they're a little easier to work with even for the shops. And they're just, they're, they're business people, you know? Um, but they just don't, you know, if, if, if you don't like, you know, Monsanto and Bayer and some of those other companies, you know, you ain't going to like Hawthorne. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to like yeah. Hawthorne. So yeah. uh, All right. just, just ask your, ask your shop, say, Hey, where, where are you ordering this from? Because it might be a brand that could very well be coming from hydro farm, but they might be ordering from Hawthorne to make it easier for themselves or because that's where they had to get it that week or whatever it is. So. Right. Um, there's hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's not the only brand in your area that you can get is anything from them. But you can always go online now and get stuff. So, watering the different mediums. Peat moss is the first yep. one, and can it can it can it stay wet? Yeah. So we talked about the mediums. Then we got to talk about watering because they're so it's so specific. So peat moss is the one that holds water so well. It really needs to dry out most of the way. Um, I would say I like the two knuckle rule generally that we use, that we talked about before you stick your fingers, two knuckles in, if it's dry to those boop is you need to water. Now, if you're dealing with a one gallon pot, that might be a little excessive. If you're dealing with a 20 gallon pot, you might need to dig down a little bit deeper, but the general rule of thumb is going to be the two knuckle rule. Um, and that can come depending on your garden, uh, every day. If you got a big plant and a drier garden and a smaller pot, it could come once a week. If you got a smaller plant, 
plant in a big pot and you like to run a humid garden. So, hey, can I ask um, a question when it comes to checking? You ever give the plant the shocker? You ever give the plant the, sh- the shocker? You ever give the shocker to, to see if sure. it needs water? <laughs> yeah. Certain strains really like it, some don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but with, like we just talked about, um, that pea moss might stay, that, that might stay wet for a whole week. You don't, it's hard to tell, but generally, uh, right when you transplant, it's probably gonna be wet for a while. And the longer your pot has to grow those roots or your plant has to grow the roots in the pot, the faster you're going to have to water. So you might find that your first watering is every seven days, your second watering is every seven days, the third watering is every six days, fourth, fifth, then you go to the sixth watering and it's every five days. And you might, you know, you might find it dropping like that. Um, usually people do. Um, and it just, it depends on literally strength of your plant, what type of plant, how like some plants perspire more and take up more and don't take up as much. The type of pot, cloth, plastic, do you have a fan blowing air over the pot or is it just around everything? The dehumidifier, where it is in the room, like so much stuff can alter when you water these plants indoors so gotcha uh yeah what is um what do we see in this and like what what why use peat moss you know what do we see in this and 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 the kind and why use it you know is is it a good bad or ugly it's so it definitely has its place because with cocoa and rock will rock will excuse me and the um rocks the clay rocks those are not something you're gonna be able to just not water for seven days so if you're hand watering in a tent something with rock wool where you're not gonna have to water it every single day like you're gonna want to do cocoa and where you don't even have the option of hand watering the the rocks in the grodan like it just won't work you know like you're gonna have to be down there multiple times a day people don't have that time so pmos definitely have it has its place for a huge number of gardeners if, if you don't want or can't get, or for whatever reason you don't have an automatic watering, you probably want a peat moss, peat moss based medium. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be the easiest thing that people know the best. It's in the most amount of mediums out there from stuff at Lowe's and Home Depot to stuff in your local shop. Um, it's organic which is cool. I mean, it's mine, like we said. Um, it, it, it's it's a super popular medium. Um, nice. Yeah. So, what 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 do you look out for with peat moss? Definitely overwatering. Um, people over. So the biggest problem with plants in general, a lot of plants, especially in a medium like peat moss, you start to see the droopy leaves, and you say, "Ah, oh, shit, my plant's thirsty." You water again, and then the leaves get even more droopy. And you're like, man, it can't still be thirsty, and you water again. You're overwatering. Then and you gotta give. Then you should just give it the shocker then to make sure you yeah, didn't overwater it. A few times, get some aeration <laughs> holes in that thing. <laughs> get it, get it. You shock that thing uh, to death. But uh, you, it, 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 and it, it's so terrible because in the peat moss, then so you overwatered. You do it a few times. Half your roots are now dead. So now it's going to take even longer to take up that water. So now you're like, oh, well, I was watering every seven days, which was already overwatering because you're taking, let's say, a solo cup to a seven gallon. Already overwatering it. 
roots are already dead, already to mush, already attracting the bad bugs, already attracting the bad fungus, already attracting the bad bacteria, you're, you're getting into this, this possible upwards battle. Um, a lot of times it is because then you say, okay, I have to wait now eight or nine days for this to dry out to rewater it because you can't just water it right there and fix it and be like, okay, I'm going to water an enzyme. I'm going to water back a good bacteria. I'm going to water a good fungus. I'm going to water some foods that it wants. I'm going to water stuff, you know, whatever you feel like you need to water to help it out. You have to wait 12 days or whatever, however long it's going to take for all that to dry out. That was taken seven at an overwater. So you don't see that with any other, medium that is popular at least you can all those other ones you have a ph problem you can adjust it immediately you when in doubt a, when in doubt shock it yeah that's true and that's compete it. figure it out that's it that's it so cocoa cocoa can that stay wet cocoa you want wet cocoa you do mm. not want drying out um people will argue i've heard people say they water six times a day i've heard i personally water four times a day I have talked with a guy I really respect who has way more knowledge than me in gardening. When I told him I water four times a day, he's like, oh, you're overwatering. And I was like, bro, I'm going to one gallon growing these plants, you know, these pretty large plants. Like if I don't, if I don't water that, I see stresses. So it's like sometimes this stuff gets ridiculous where I've heard people say, oh, I got to water six times a day. And it's like, well, I mean, if you're in, I'm in a one gallon. So if they're in a one gallon growing a plant that's two times bigger than mine, I can see it, you know, it's, and it's possible with cocoa um, because especially the cloth pot with the cocoa is the big thing because your roots can grow out of the cloth pot and the air will naturally prune it. It's called air pruning. That's why cloth pots are so badass in the first place. Um, not badass because they let a lot of water out and then evaporation. So if you're dealing with a dry environment, you don't want that. But they are badass because if you're running a cocoa, it allows you to put it in a one gallon or however small you really want as long as you're watering it well. Because those roots oh. just keep growing and getting air pruned. Very cool. Love it. Love it. Uh, when do I water? Anytime you want. But uh, every different room will be different. Um I would say with cocoa, at least once a day in almost every situation, at least. Um, you're probably looking at two times a day in a lot of situations, um, up to, I'd say, like the three to four times a day. But um, really, the cocoa, as long as it's not drying out, you're going to, it might not be the best, but you're not going to notice it really enough to see stress probably. Um, if you're really got your shit dialed in and you're like, wow, I really know this strain, you might see it, but it is super hard to overwater cocoa to the point where you, your plant is unhappy about it. Gotcha. What, what, what are some of the popular ways we see it sold? Like what, how is it out there? Like where, you know, the, so the cocoa comes in bags generally, that's what most people see it. Like how you'd see dirt or, or, or peat moss, um, regular soil mixes. Uh, those you'll see from 100% cocoa down to 50% cocoa and 50% perlite usually. They will also come sometimes with foods, those different perlite mixes. Um, those foods, I would bet, have a little bit of peat moss in them as well. But you really want to just look for the, the percent peat moss to cocoa. If you're, you know, the 60-70% cocoa, having that peat moss probably isn't going to make you water it like peat moss. You might have to water it a little closer to peat moss and go to every day instead of every other day or whatever um or instead of a few times of a day but um 
you can it's it's sold in the bags like the pea moss it can come in the condensed pots like we had talked about it can come in can just condensed bricks in general um a lot of people like those especially if they're going up steps you're going up into an apartment you can get a little compressed brick take it up put it in a tub put it with a certain amount of water it expands then you can use it so you can take four or five of these up and not look suspicious like taking four or five bags of cocoa or anything else up to your apartment and you can get your medium up there a little bit more discreetly cool what do we see this in and why use cocoa um we you i bet that there's a ton of co- there's cocoa and a ton of stuff that we don't even realize like if we went and looked at the the if you use like an all organic mix right now if you use a potting soil in general especially like a cactus mix or something the cocoa is a really nice aerator it looks pretty close to the pea moss especially if it's all mixed in together it looks pretty close to the the other soils um it doesn't have a ton of negatives about it so i I would imagine that we see it in a ton of different um products now uh, more than i was used to when i was there um and and like i was just saying i mean we we you use it because it's to me it's the best of both worlds holds water close to peat moss aerates like the other popular you know the rodan and the rocks so it's like it's, it doesn't have the negatives of the two just brings over the positives um that's that that would definitely be why i why i do use it why i recommend it to most people and what do you need to look out for when it comes to cocoa the biggest thing is for sure the calcium uh, people say it's a joke we made it a joke more cow mag uh the big thing with the cow mag is the calcium when it comes to cocoa cocoa uses calcium to bind itself uh, i don't really know the sciences honestly that's what i'm told by you know reps coming into hey how am i gonna have to run this different they go over all that and they cocoa take or cocoa will take the calcium out of the water making it unavailable to your plant back in the day cocoa hmm. wasn't washed um so you'd have to get the cocoa you'd have to wash it through with water and then you have to wash it through with the calcium a lot of people did at least so that you, it would be buffered in a way. I had the, un, I, I, it was not very fun the one time I ran unbuffered cocoa. Uh, it was a mistake on a, on a brand. They, I don't know exactly how it happened, but every, me and maybe four of the five of the people I was working with, I was, we was getting to the point where we are kind of making fun of the first few people because they get this cocoa and everything starts to go. And we're like, man, what's going on? And through talking with them and, and going through all of our stuff, the only thing we come up with, they had a batch that wasn't buffered. Wow. And I like the company, so I'm not going to say anything, but it was just, you know, I've used them since. So what, um, uh, so my understanding is that you have to add more calcium to, yes. to when you're watering it, to your nutrients, right? To your salts or whatever. Yes. That, yes. That's, that's correct. Cause okay. if you go and you see like a line and like a lot of these times you go to the lines and they'll have, a normal line or a soil line, a cocoa line, and then a hydro line, or maybe just a cocoa and a soil. Um, the difference, if you go through the, the back of the cocoa and you go through the back of the soil, is going to be almost only calcium. More okay. calcium in the cocoa. Gotcha. And then uh, what about uh, rock wool and clay rocks? Can, um, they, can it stay wet? Yeah, that, that, so that's one of them that has to pretty much stay wet. It doesn't have very much leniency. Um, if it's not wet, things are dying. Uh, there's with the rock wool, there's not a constant moving of water. 
Um, but with the rocks, there typically is. Sometimes I know people will give pumps a break so they don't overheat. If they're dealing with a heat problem of moving the water, the pump's heating up the water too much. They'll do like a 45 minutes on, 15 minutes off kind of thing or something. Give that pump a break. But beyond that, the rocks is basically just straight moving water. That's what, when people say hydro, that's usually what they talk about. Um, even though my, my understanding of hydro is anything with a soilless medium. So that would be what we consider like cocoa, rock wool, or the rocks, really. Um, I, somebody what, is, what, are some of the, what are some of the popular ways we see it sold? And what do we see this in? So the, the rock wool comes in, if you get a lot, it comes in a box. It's just squares, boxed up very efficiently. Uh, it'll come like with a sleeve around it a lot of times, just in shapes, usually six by six, eight by eight inches and with tons of different variations. The rocks themselves, the clay pebbles, usually in a bag, just like soil, usually, you know, cut the corner out, you pour it into a pot, just like soil, it's just a net pot. And uh, I don't, I, I haven't really seen it in many stuff. It's usually just by itself. I have seen people amend their cocoa and stuff with rock wool, um, but I haven't seen actual bags of cocoa coming with string glass or of, you know, rock or um, peat moss coming with clay pebbles in it or anything, but I have heard of people using them and doing it themselves for sure. And then why use rock wool or rocks? Um, so the rock wool for sure, because it's light, uh, you can get it up and down. It's easy to get it up and down stairs or get it in and out of places. If you're a big facility, you can have one person, you know, carry in 10 boxes in a half hour. And I think in one box of the six by six was 60 i'm trying to remember the the 64 or something like that's huge 64 yeah. ready to go right there you know that would take a team of how many did we had four people that take a team of four you know an hour or two to, to get that really all stamped in there. convenience convenience and the yeah. ease of the ease of movement is why you use it a home grower with a tent like myself unless you have the the the, the system to 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 uh to keep it in you know, to be able to run that kind of a system, like the, the, the nutrients and water lines going into it and a two tenth, it's not for me, not right now, you know, but somebody that's got a big basement, that's got an area to do it in. Yes. If you can do it, or you got a big a barn that you can grow it in home, grow, whatever. Yes. Yeah. All day. I would suggest that because it's quick. It's easy. It's, it doesn't cost a lot of money for soil base and you can just turn it and burn it, turn it and burn it, you know? Um, you know, I, I, like I said, I've seen the big commercial grows. It's all they use, but I've also seen small, like some videos of like small little home grows, you know, little got a 10 by 10 room or something like that, or a basement where they're growing in, or they have a, and they, you see the rock will being used or the clay being used. So, um, what do you look out for with, with them? What do you gotta be careful of? The biggest thing in a system with the water like that would definitely be a bacterial buildup. Um, even as just cloners, like hydroponic cloners, like the, the, sprayers or the bubblers um the bacteria gets in the system it gets in the pumps it gets in these nooks and crannies that are super hard to clean that's uh the biggest reason one of the biggest reasons i would never do a system like a clay rock uh, hydro buckets or anything like that is you really to be good like you need to clean your system often so it's just not you know getting everything ran through like i do reservoir changes and i clean my reservoirs every week Doing that to a system, lifting up a bucket that has roots coming out of it, putting that somewhere, cleaning the bucket, cleaning all the water out of that system, 
getting that back in there and then doing that to your whole system before, you know, everything dries out. And it's just, it's, it's, there's a reason I think most people moved away from it. Uh, I think you're totally right that a lot of people can really smash with it. I've, I've, I don't, I've never personally smoked really fantastic weed to come out of Rockwell, but I've heard of people winning cups. I've heard of people, you know, saying, Hey, I, I claim that I get this, um, people that I believe. So I think right. it's definitely possible. It's just specific. So here's the question. The difference between now, remember this, everybody there's watering. Yes, you're feeding with water. The plant needs water to survive, but there's also feeding. What's the difference? So when you're in the organic system, there's almost not a difference. You got you like if you have a water only soil, every time you water, you're watering to create this atmosphere in the soil to for the bacteria and the funguses to break down foods to be uptaking by the plant. I mean, it's given the moisture to the plant and stuff also, which it definitely likes. But that's really a big relationship there that a lot of us don't understand is going on. Uh, a lot of that food, at least with me, um, if you get a bag that's been broken down for a while, that you might have most of your food broken down, but you have to break down your organic foods. Um, that's why they're so much harder. That's why you have to time it out. When, when you needed food in week four or six, you had to put it in the weeks before. So if you need food in week four, you got to put it in week two. And you got to let that stuff break down for your plant to uptake it if you're doing it organically. If you're feeding with your watering, meaning you're feeding a salt usually, um, some people will feed organics with their watering. I do like an organic tea, so I feed an organic water. Um, that's actually adding the food in. So when you talk about like the, the peat moss, you have to, for every three or four feedings, you have to have just a straight watering, what some people would consider a flush. That's just getting, hey, if, if you have a buildup somewhere in there, you just want to flush it out. That's all that's doing. Um, cocoa, usually people run like a 15 to 20% runoff and really in peat moss, you should do it too. Um, so you don't usually need that flush, but some people do. Some people don't run much of a runoff in cocoa and they'll come in with that flush pretty often and they'll almost water it the same as peat moss in that situation, but will water it multiple times a day or however they're doing it. Um, but the easiest way with cocoa is definitely just feed 10 to 15% runoff, maybe even a little bit more if you're doing really high food. Um, but that's the biggest difference. Somebody, if you're just watering, you don't have your food actually in it. You're just getting the soil wet, uh, in order to make food obtakeable. And if you're feeding, you're actually adding your food to your plant. Cool. Watering and feeding in an organic medium versus more of a sterile medium. What's... So like, so we talked about it a little bit where the organic medium is going to need, usually it's going to be a more of a peat moss base. Uh, mine is cocoa based, but when you talk about the cocoa and how often you water the cocoa, it's a little bit harder to keep that organic in your pot, if that makes sense. So you're flushing out the bacteria and the funguses and the foods even um, every time you water through. And the cocoa really likes to be watered through. So um, you can definitely tune it in and not do it that way. But um, the organic medium, you're usually seeing a, a drying period and then a, and then a wet period. And then it takes a few days to dry and then wet. As pots oh. grow, it might be every day kind of thing. The sterile medium, you have to water food every single time. There isn't, you know, if you have a buildup and you're trying to flush that buildup out, 
maybe you don't have to water the food, but you don't have in, in, a, in a medium like that, like a straight cocoa, a straight uh, rock wool, you don't have any food in the actual medium. So you have to water that food every time. You can't rely on anything staying in the medium like you can in organic or water only. Uh, the ocean forest, like you were talking about, is a great one that you can you can just add water to that for a, for a while. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this was a great episode, but we have one final thing. We asked people to send us some questions, and our friend, who's become a really good friend of mine, and and uh, and I know he uh, talks to you a lot too, Big Earl, and he considers you a friend, and he considers you a mentor and a coach. Our friend Tez from Down Under. Tez, you asked uh, Big Earl, how do I know I'm giving my plant enough light? How far away should the light be? And should it change throughout the grow? So Big Earl's going to answer that for you, Tez. Appreciate the question, brother. Yeah, so um, we did a longer question because we were supposed to uh, – I uh, misplaced the question last week. So we did we did a, a long, thorough question this time. So lighting is ever more complicated as we figure out really what it's about. Um, the LED game – the LEDs coming in kind of changed the game. It took certain spectrums and allowed us to put them here and there it allowed us to separate them in, in lengths and colors and all kinds of fun stuff. So how do I know I'm giving my plant enough light? This is going to be a little different with, with everybody. And there's a few different ways. First off, you can just read your plant. You say, my plant's happy. I'm giving it enough light. My plant's not happy. I'm, I'm looking at my under leaves and they're starting to curl up a little bit. They're looking light green when the other ones are lush green. The, the stems aren't growing as thick or as good as I like to. Okay, these aren't getting enough light. How do I change that? That's more of like the typical gardener's approach. With these new LEDs and this new, and we've had the, the meters around for a while, but a lot of people read their light. And what this is reading is how much abs actual absorbable light is present where your sensor is. So like with mine, I can take it through my garden and I can say, okay, this plant is getting 1,200 uh, PPFD, I think it's set on. Um, I, I get those confused a little bit because one's reading U moles per second. Uh, PPFD is what's read at the light or at the plant. And the other reading, the U moles, is what's coming out of the actual plant or the actual light, I believe. So if it's six inches away, it's going to be different than it's 12 inches away from it. But sorry, don't quote me on that. The gist of it is there's a sensor where you can actually take it through and say, hey, this is how much light my plant is getting. There are charts, just like the um, vapor pressure deficit that we've gone over. There are charts that compare instead of humidity to temperature, like VPD, it compares CO2 to the amount of absorbable light that's available. So you can dial that in and say, okay, my plant, my light's really powerful. I need 600 parts per million CO2. So de depending on your light, which goes to the next part, how far should it be away from your plant? If you don't have a meter, I would read my plant again. I would put it, so the closer it is, the more absorbable light your plant's gonna get. The warmer it's gonna be. That's gonna be real different. If you got a bulb, you're gonna want, it's gonna be way warmer. If you got anything with a bulb, ceramic, metal halide, ceramic, <laughs> um, or HPS, any of them, it's going to be much warmer than LED. So an LED, you can get much closer than those other lights. The LED also 
goes all of its power goes straight down. The bulbs have a reflector, so half of its power is not going at least half of its power is not going down or to the side or straight to the side. Half of its power is going up into the reflector. You're relying on that reflection, how much that reflection, any dust on there, how old it is, how tarnished it is, all that, to reflect that down, back down, and to be absorbed by the plant. So all that's gonna, gonna matter a little bit. I would read my plant there. I would start away and bring it towards. You don't want to keep it as far away because you get way less power to your plant. Your plant's gonna reach for the light. You're gonna get way longer, more spindly plants. Where if you start away and you bring it down six inches every day or however you have to do it, you can get it to where you you can actually like keep your plants much more stout and build them instead of just having them being long and wiry like uh, the auto flower um, and te and uh, T the Tech's room that was so long and spindly because it was look it was reaching for all the light it didn't have it yep yep um, and that's that's really the big thing that you can read your plant by doing that. And then should the light change throughout the grow? Um, so there's two sides of this. Does it have to? No. Can it help to? Uh, if by help you mean like a, a larger uh, yield, less stress, stuff like that, then yes. Um, I have lights called Science Lights, S-C-Y-N-C-E. They change their, their, they run an app. You can change spectrum. You can, I can turn on uh, blue, red, far red, neutral, all kinds of different lights I can turn on on it, change on it. I can have it on timer. I can have it turn on red in the morning or blue in the morning, change throughout the day and then red at night. That's um, awesome. I, it's very cool. And I do it all myself because uh, they allow you to program it yourself, but they actually have some pretty cool programs online where you can choose exactly what you want from them. Huh. So awesome. um, to me, when I started doing that, I started noticing a little bit of difference in quality. Um, uh, the biggest thing I noticed was my plants slept way harder. I, I, I think that probably is good, but my leaves would face instead of, you know, at night they sleep a little bit. My leaves, the first few days I did it, my leaves were like down, like facing down. I was like, Man, they were raving all night long. Yeah, they freaked me out. <laughs> so um, to change it throughout the grow, I would say the best thing there, keep it far away, bring it down to your plant throughout time, read your plant. If you notice your plant get a little bit yellow, take it up. And then the, the change that I would do throughout a grow would be to take it up with my plant. Try to keep your plant the same six inches, the same whatever it is away. And then, but you're, you're going to have to take it up with the plant. Um, so that would be my advice on how you know you're getting enough light, um, how far away should it be, and should it change? Um, I know it's not a direct answer, but everybody's garden's a little different. So with that one, you just kind of got to read your light and your situation. Um, it might change by strain. It might change by medium. You might find that when you're using cocoa, you're watering a couple times a day and you're watering a little cooler. Um, and so you can actually keep the, get the light a little closer because you're keeping the medium cooler. Um, I personally have never experienced something like that, but I definitely know the different temperatures in your medium can influence a lot. I know that people have heat stressed or heat treated rooms to kill bugs and had plants survive because their room's 140 degrees or I think it's 140 degrees, whatever I read but they're watering ice cold water to their medium and they're keeping their roots nice and cool. 
So, um, yeah, I I don't, I, I, that's not a peer reviewed. That's not anything like that. I've just, I've heard of it. So, um, it's, uh, it's very, very subjective, but hopefully that helped Tez. Yeah, I think so. Cause he was asking, I think both of us uh, about lights and how far you should keep them down and up and stuff like that too. So great question, Tez. Thank you from our friend from Australia. Appreciate the question. The next episode, everybody is genetics. And this is going to be a good one. So uh, we got some work to put together in the next few weeks before we record our next episode. We'll see if we can get somebody on. If not, it'll just be uh, Bigger L and I talking about it, but we'll figure it out. If not, we're going to have plenty of guests coming on in the future. This is just the basics of, of, of growing, and this show is going to keep on growing more and more. I will say this. I'm, I'm, I'm high. So really, so good stuff, uh, this, this string. What was this one called again? Stanky Hayes. Stanky Hayes. Doing the Stanky Hayes. Doing the Stanky Hayes. Hayes. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. it. Thank you. (laughs) It's good. I'm baked. I'm going to go upstairs and give Mrs. Weeman the rest of the bowl because I I only smoked half on one side, saved the rest for her, so and then load up another one for bed. Uh, But hey, everybody out there in the world, thank you for listening to the Grow Hour. We appreciate the, the questions. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, new platform that we're working out of. And I, I'm, we've been, Big Earl and I have been practicing the last couple of days on this to make sure our sound was right. And I, and I hope uh, once I'm done hitting record on this, that uh, this sounds better, looks better, tastes better, feels better. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep on coming at you. So enjoy the show. And don't forget, always give your plants the shocker. The shocker when you're trying to figure out the watering. The shocker. And what else we got to do, big girl of the plants? Don't forget what? The cow mag, bro. Never. The cow mag. The cow mag. Everybody out in the world, peace. Have a great one. Big girl, love you, brother. Peace. See you, buddy.